So we feel a sense of obligation, not only to educate our business students, but to be thinking about how those individuals will show up in the world of work. Welcome to Sage Advice, the podcast where the future of higher education is not just discussed, it's crafted. Every episode, we dive deep into the transformative world of learning, bringing you conversations with the pioneers and policymakers who are reshaping education today. Joining you from the innovative halls of Western Governors University, I'm your host, Chris Bunnell. Sage Advice listeners, it has been a pleasure having you join us on the journey to learn more about Western Governors University. Couple of editions of our podcast this season are going to be hosted by my colleague, Emma Solomon. Emma, I know recently you had the opportunity to visit with Mitsu Frazier. Can you give us a little background on how that session went? Sure thing, Chris. So I had the chance to talk to Mitsu Frazier, who leads our College of Business at WGU. And we spoke about the absolutely astronomical growth of the College of Business and what is driving that. One of the interesting things that Mitsu touches on is how business is really the foundation of the world of work and how it's transferable into any profession, which is what we have seen at WGU drive interest in our programs. We also spoke about the skills that we weave into the College of Business degrees and how WGU has really uniquely designed programs that integrate things that Mitsu calls power skills. If that's a term you haven't heard before, you will understand it by the end of the episode into our degree programs. I have not heard the term power skills, but I learn so much from every episode. I also know that Mitsu is a pioneer in WGU lingo, meaning that she far exceeded my tenure at WGU. So I'm sure there were some thoughts about the development of the university along the way. You bet, Chris. She was actually not only a pioneer in our lingo, development, but also she started as a program mentor in the College of Business and now leads the entire college, which was just an absolutely fascinating conversation to get into. And I'm excited for you to hear it. Thanks, Emma. Excited to listen to Emma and Mitsu Frazier. Hope that you will join us for that episode. Today, we're joined by Mitsu Frazier the Senior Vice President and Executive Dean of the College of Business at Western Governors University. Mitsu has been a cornerstone of WGU for nearly 16 years, playing a pivotal role in steering the university's innovative and competency-based approach to business education. Her leadership has been instrumental in ensuring that WGU's programs are not just reflective of current industry standards, but are also at the cutting edge of academic innovation. With an impressive tenure that has seen her impact grow from student mentorship to executive leadership, Mitsu embodies the spirit of WGU's commitment to student success and academic excellence. Under her guidance, the college has launched groundbreaking programs, cultivated a vast network of engaged alumni, 
and garnered accolades for both its inclusivity and its return on investment for students. Welcome, Mitsu. Thanks for having me, Emma. So Mitsu, reflecting on your extensive history with WGU, from your start as a student mentor to leading the College of Business, how have you observed the landscape of business education evolve over your tenure? It's a great question. So WGU's mission to change lives for the better by creating pathways to opportunities has been the foundation of all of the work that we've been doing. And I've personally been able to experience the mission firsthand. I started at WGU as a program mentor. And it's also really fun to be able to say that I'm a WGU alum as well. And we're constantly evolving, really to serve the best needs of our students, to give them skills and an experience so that they can be successful in the real world. The university's mission, I think, has evolved in its simplicity and its focus on the language that we use, although it's also really broadened in scope in terms of how we support students by way of various products, by way of on-ramps and off-ramps and our services provided. And it's shown up as an organization that has maintained its mission, even though the mission itself has changed in its verbiage to create a more simplified statement for people to really understand. It hasn't changed in terms of the very dedicated focus to empowering people to a better life. And I think that's shown up for us. A great example in how the College of Business has embodied our mission is we have a student, his first name is Jimmy. He is the youngest person to have passed the CPA exam. He's 15 years old. And that's an exam that AI couldn't pass the first time around. And Jimmy came to WGU as an undergraduate student. It took him a year to earn his undergraduate in accounting and then six months to earn his master's degree in accounting. And sometimes when people think about WGU, they're thinking about adult learners. But it's equally fair to say that we're in the business of completion. We're in the business of expanding access. And that doesn't always mean for an adult learner. It can be inclusive of a very young learner who is excited about hitting the workforce ready to go. That's unbelievable. I had no idea that AI could not pass the CPA exam. That is a bravo, Jimmy. So on that note, you spoke about how WGU is often affiliated with the adult learner and how that's evolving. But I think that the through line with all of WGU's programs is that they are workforce aligned. The College of Business launched four new programs this year. Can you tell me about the decision to launch those and the workforce needs that kind of informed that decision? Absolutely. So you're right. This last year was a big year for the College of Business in terms of expansion of access and creating opportunities for even more learners to move into the workforce prepared. We spend a lot of time focused on 
talking with employers and understanding the skills and the tangible needs that these employers need from their employees as they hit the desks on their first day or as they're solving problems. And that conversation is what's informing the decision to create our next product. And so as we're building programs, it's not by chance. It's not by simply looking at a list of business degrees that a school should have, but rather it's a future-focused lens that is thinking about what do we need today? But from an employer standpoint, what are the things that keep you up at night that we can solve for you? And so as we were thinking about supply chain, as we were thinking about finance, both of those degrees had a lens of what employers are saying they need most, what the industry and trends in the market are saying are have room for new jobs. And then we applied those learnings as we created the programs. In addition to that, a graduate degree in HR, knowing that from an HR perspective and the diverse problems that are being solved in that area is such that we knew that we could take our undergraduate in HR and we could create a great bridge to even more skills, upskilling that individual to be even more powerful in their place of employment. So in a tangible way, I've seen WGU's mission fulfilled in that I think WGU graduates reported an average increase of just over $29,000 within four years of graduation. That's using Harris Poll from the 2022 survey. But it is clear that as students engage our programs, they are seeing a return on that investment very quickly. And employers are seeing that return as well as they are very pleased about the quality of employee that they're hiring as a WG graduate. That Harris poll is just terrific. I think it's upwards of 95% satisfaction for employers of WGU grads. That's phenomenal. I love what you said about being future focused and thinking about what's going to be needed five, 10 years down the line by employers. Can you tell me a little bit about how and if we are modernizing some of our cornerstone programs like accounting? We are always going to need accountants. Does that evolve over time or are those programs more consistent? Yeah, I think that there's evolution at its core. I think all of the various programs and areas in which individuals are moving into the workforce are seeing evolution, whether it be the skills specifically or the way they're applying those skills. For example, I think about WGU and the things we're thinking about in terms of innovation related to accounting or innovation related to finance. And in addition to ensuring that the skills and the competencies are the most current in those domains, we're also thinking about the learner holistically. And so, for example, it's not just about the most current accounting concepts. It's also ensuring that the foundation of the program, communications, creative problem solving, things of that nature are equally progressive so that an accountant can go into their profession 
but have those cornerstone skills that allow them to be able to work in that profession, communicate in that profession, influence in that profession. And so certainly we're thinking about the specific domains with a future focused lens, but we're equally focused on making sure that the business core or the core of being in business is equally progressive. Can you tell me a little bit more about how WGU embeds some of these soft skills development into the business school curriculum? That's a question that comes up often when I talk to people about WGU and we're an online school and with our competency-based education model. It seems like to someone outside of WGU that that would be a really difficult feat to achieve. But I know that we've been very creative at how we address that. Can you talk to me more about how we think about soft skills and helping our students be equipped with those for the workforce? Yeah. So I might coin the term power skills, if I may. And so soft skills is used pretty regularly, but we are thinking about power skills in the College of Business, including self-awareness, self-management, interpersonal communication, social awareness, and how do we infuse those power skills into our content? And I think that starts in a couple different ways. One, over the last few years, many of our faculty members have received training themselves on power skills. So not just let's ensure that our students are equipped with these power skills, but ensure that the faculty who are engaging with them and modeling by example the use of these skills are also in are also in play so these trained employees are interacting with students they're calling on those power skills to lead by example and then we're infusing them across our curriculum as well and the goal is to ensure that the learner journey both academic career and life focused has a tether to those various power skills so Maybe a more real world business example is the infusion of power skills and the idea of leader as a coach, as a focus in our undergraduate and graduate management programs. We're helping students to think through mentoring and coaching in our strategic training and development course. How do you leverage power skills with being assertive? How do you think about critical thinking and crucial conversations? How do you blend and infuse those topics in a way that is real world and real life? We're taking a deeper dive into coaching as well, as we're thinking about our master's in human resource. There's an entire section dedicated to focusing on how to coach performance feedback, how to create a culture of coaching, and leverage those skills to have productive conversations? And how do you maximize coaching for both your personal and professional goals? So there's a lot of infusion of these various power skills throughout various courses in our programs. But we know that communication is the number one sought after skill for employers. And in our management communications course, students are preparing themselves to face communication challenges in the organizations that they're working for, how to think proactively about 
strategies related to communication and how to conversate with team members who are underperforming or at various moments in your employment journey. Also, the art of persuasion and the art of conflict management with an underpinning of ethics all the way through. Because without ethics and a firm foundation around how you're carrying forward your mission, it's really hard to apply the rest. And so that ethical foundation is really a key component throughout all of our power skills and the courses that we're offering those power skills in. I will now be adopting the term power skills. I think that's fantastic, especially because talking back to your remark about AI earlier, that's the one quality that we can hold on to very tightly as humans. We don't have to be worried about anyone coming for our power skills. You are so right about that. I mean, there is so much to be said about AI and data and analytics and where the world will go. But we also know how much humans harness that personal touch that is invaluable in certain circumstances. And we are really proud about the intentional infusion of those skills throughout our content because we know that it won't go away. It will not go away and it will become more important as the world starts to shift. Absolutely. And I love also that you are infusing coaching into a lot of the curricula. I have loved that as a movement just generally. I know a lot of people benefit from coaching. And it sounds like a lot of the qualities that you touched on from the business program anyone could use, whether you're working in IT or healthcare. And I would imagine that that is part of what makes WGU's business school so successful. You guys are growing so quickly. Could you speak a little bit about the growth of the College of Business and your thoughts about it, what you might attribute it to? Yeah, I think that for us, it is humbling to watch the growth of the college. I know when I started at WGU in the business college, we had just shy of 8,000 students. And I remember calling home and talking to my family about, I'm working at this amazing place and we have 8,000 students and I could hear my parents sort of questioning everything, right? What exactly are you doing? (laughs) And it's fun to be able now to sit at the dinner table and still, I'm very blessed to be able to still talk to my parents and say, I think that we're going to be able to touch 50,000 students' lives this year. And they don't ask, what are you doing anymore? (laughs) It is not the focus of our work and it has never been. Growth has never been the goal, but it has always been the goal to expand access and provide individuals with a better life. And that starts with completion, not consumption. This isn't a consumption business where we're hoping a large volume of people will consume our product. This is about ensuring that we are offering degrees that have a return, degrees that have value, and that the students who make the decision to engage in a journey in the College of Business finish that journey with a better reality than when they started. And that's happening through growth. It's happening because we are offering degrees that are highly sought after, 
But you made a point earlier that I think is one to bring back around that business is the foundation of the world of work. And it's transferable into almost any profession, communication, finance, understanding operations, understanding the art of persuasion, all of those key skills can be applied to the bedside as a nurse, can be applied to the classroom as a teacher. And so we feel a sense of obligation, not only to educate our business students, but to be thinking about how those individuals will show up in the world of work, whether it be when they're caring for someone, whether they are teaching our future teachers. And that obligation is big and we are really excited about taking it on. And so, yes, the College of Business is growing rapidly, but more importantly, I think we're expanding access in a way that is impacting a far greater scope than just business. I laugh to think about your parents and you sitting around the dinner table now (laughs) at 50,000 graduates this year. I love to think about your early days at WGU and how you have really experienced almost every role in the College of Business. You started off as a program mentor. Could you tell me about that time and why you chose to become a program mentor? And then maybe how that informs the work that you do now. As you make these big decisions for the entire college, how do those early days kind of keep you tethered to those mentors and to those students? Great question. I'm going to wind it back for a second to make sure that I clarify that the 50,000 number is likely going to be the number of active students we have this year by the end of the year. But I'm glad I get to wind it back to say that we did see a really important milestone this year. And every single one of our graduates is important. And it's fun to say that we did achieve the milestone of 100,000 graduates this year for the College of Business. It's hard to imagine that we've had that size of impact. And that's a dinner table conversation all on its own, I think. So you're right. It has been a while. It has been a journey. And I was really fortunate to join WGU at a time when we were just opening our Phoenix, Arizona office. And I remember getting that office up and going, making decisions about whether or not we were going to have a Brita water filter or if we weren't. (laughs) And some of these silly decisions that felt really big at the time. That office is still there. We aren't in that same building. We're across the way. It's triple the size. But the memories are not that far off from our reality today. We are still looking at every student one by one. We are still gathering in a community to assess the best way to help one student move forward. And there's so many examples of organizations that have moved to batch-like processing. And that is not us. We are still bringing people together on the phone to look at all angles of one student and how we can figure out the best way for them to be successful. 
And it's a beautiful thing. So in terms of how we support students, that care and that singular focus still is at the core of what we do. But the technology and the scaffolding and the support structures that we have in place are far more mature than they were when I started back in 2008. Um, we used Excel and we used a lot of scrap paper. And we've got some really amazing tools to help us move more intentionally to the students that need us. We are capable of seeing trends and history that help us understand what may occur. And that may occur element allows us to get in front of when a student may need help versus coming from behind. Those are the advancements that I think are really amazing and have changed how we support our students. The evolution of the writing center, the evolution of the math center and this community of support uh, that layers on top of our instructors and our mentors. We've really matured in how we're supporting the student and the ability to come towards the student in various ways in a proactive approach, I think is putting us heads and tails above other institutions and how they're serving students. That is one of the most beautiful things about the size of WGU and our 25 year history is that we have all of this data that we've accumulated and we can now use it to project out so that our students are being served and to their best ability. I love that. Well, Mitsu, as we wrap up, I would love to come back to you. And while the starting age of a WGU student, maybe 35, I want to rewind a little bit further than that. And I'd love to hear from you if you could go back and give yourself advice as a 21-year-old. What would you say? Emma, I'm 21 right now. (laughs) (laughs) The things that I would say to my 21-year-old self, I think first and foremost, one thing I'm really proud of about myself is that I'm who I said I was going to be. And I'm not who statistics said I was supposed to be. And I think about that a lot because I suspect that is somewhat consistent with some of our students. And so I'm sure there's many things I would go back and change. But to answer your question, I might say I'd say it again to myself. If I was 21, I'd say it again. And I'd say it louder for the people in the back that you get to define your own story. And that story isn't always on time to what you had planned. And it's not always on time to what someone else is planning for you. But keep defining it over and over and over again. Keep declaring it. Keep saying it out loud. Because if you believe that you are the story that you're telling, ultimately it will become it will become the chapters of your book. And so it's not that I would say something different to myself at 21. I think I'd just say it a little louder and I'd say it a few more times so that other people could hear it too. I think that's timeless advice for us all to remember that you get to tell your own story. 
Well, Mitsu, thank you so much for sitting down with us on Sage Advice and for sharing your story and the story of the College of Business. Thanks for having me. It's really been terrific, Emma. Appreciate you. Sage Advice is brought to you by Western Governors University. To learn more about WGU and how it's pioneering a new path in higher education, visit wgu.edu. If you enjoyed our discussion today, don't forget to subscribe to Sage Advice wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time for more insightful conversations. Until then, keep learning, keep growing, and keep pushing the boundaries of what education can achieve. From the team here at WGU, thank you for listening to Sage Advice.